Sometimes the memories bring a smile, and other times they break our hearts. Chances are you've experienced a bit of both this past year. The new year is also a time to look ahead, to imagine what could be, to scan the horizon with expectation and seek God's guiding hand. It's a time to strive for better, to live louder, love stronger, and be more of who God has created us to be. It's an opportunity for new beginnings, a chance to start fresh, to pursue God with a renewed passion, and to press on with all our hearts. The truth is, God has been faithful this past year, and that faithfulness promises to carry us through the next. As a new year begins, may we remember this one simple truth. In Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. Well, if I haven't said it yet, let me say it. Happy New Year. Um, I, I always enjoy preaching this time of year uh, because there's so much energy. There is excitement. There is so much hope, um, even though we're a little bit tired, right? Who here would say that the holidays make you just downright tired? Anybody be honest with me? Yeah. I, 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 when January comes, I always like to sit down with the staff and say, we can breathe now, all right? Because December, it holds a, a lot of stuff, and, and we go, and we go, and we go, and then January comes. But this is a time where we get to sit down and see the hope, right? That time of, of a new beginning. We're at a new year, a time where we get to say, this is the stuff that I want to do this year. And it's during this time that, that we get to look back, and we look at the past while also looking to a bright future. And, and I believe that's important. It's important, I think, to, to stop, to reflect, to pause for just a few moments, to maybe recollect, rekindle, re-energize or re-aim that fire that was once in us, right? Because the years, especially the past two years, they've been tough, haven't they? It seems like it has just been one event after another, and maybe this year we, we didn't enter 2022 with as much energy and excitement. I think sometimes we enter into the new year like a little kid peeking around a corner thinking, did mommy and daddy see me do that? Am I, what am I about to walk into? Or like a, walking through a haunted house, you know, you got to peek around that corner like, what's next? Um, how many of us are entering the new year like that this year? Well, we're just slowly peering around the corner. What's waiting for me on the other side? But, but the new year is a time for us to really sit down, evaluate where we were, and to see where we're going, right? It's the time where, for many, it's time for us to become a, a better person, where we think, you know what? The mistakes of the past are now in the past, and now this year, I'm going to be the best person that I can be. I want to reach my potential this year. I see where I was, and I know last year I made that resolution, right? And maybe come February come March, April, that New Year's resolution kind of dwindled. Anybody, right, be honest, did anybody keep their New Year's resolutions from last year? <laughs> I don't see any hands going up. 
Guess what? Neither did your preacher. But the new year is a time where we sit down, right? We make lists. We say, I want to eat better. I want to exercise more. I want to read and learn more. I want to become more financially stable, or I said more financially stable, or, or maybe for some, it's I want to just become a little bit financially stable, or maybe I, I want to be a nicer person. Or, or, or maybe it's, you know what, this year, I want to be a more positive person. I, I look back over the last two years, and, and man, I was just negative because of everything that happened. But you know what? In 2022, no matter what happens, I'm going to be a positive person. Or maybe you say, I want to be a more, more creative person. I want to create something this year. I want, I, want to, I want to paint something. I want to build something. I want to do something creativity-wise. Or maybe you sit back and you look at your house and you think, this year, I'm going to finish those projects. How many of us ever do that? Where we, we, we push it off year after year, and finally we sit down and say, this year is the year that that project's going to get done. And we get excited, and we get energized, and we buy all the right tools, and the list goes on, right? Whatever it is that you want to do. I, I know I'm not going to go around the room and ask, but I, but I know that all of us probably have something in our mind. I, I laughed with her this year. My wife, I said, this year I'm not making a New Year's resolution because if I don't make one, then I can't fail at it, right? That's a bad mindset to have. But we all have things in our mind that we say, this is what I want to do this year. And no matter what it is, what better time than right now, right? Yesterday was January 1. Today's January 2. What better time than to start right now? I like, to, I like to call last year, I, I say this every year, but, but I like to call the previous year the warm-up year. Last year was just my warm-up year. This year is going to be, the last year was just a warm-up. Last year was, was when we were in the bullpen, right? We were just throwing to warm-up. This year, though, we're going to get on the mound, and we're actually going to throw some strikes. This year is the year of the new beginning. This year is a time for fresh hope, for a fresh start. Charlie Brown, in one of the old comics, he was talking to Linus, and he said, Charlie said, you know, life is just too much for me. I've been confused since the very day I was born. How many of us can agree with Charlie Brown on that? Your preacher can. <laughs> I've been confused since the very day I was born. He said, I think a whole trouble is that we're just thrown into life too fast. We're just born. And he says, what, are, what am I supposed to do? And Linus replied, well, what do you want? A chance to warm up? And how many of you would like to say, you know what? I would have appreciated a, a warm-up time, right? A time where I get a, tri a free trial period of life where I get to say, all right, these are my mistakes, and this is my new beginning, right? Wouldn't a, wouldn't a warm-up be nice? Well, guess what? The new year is a time to start fresh. The new year is a time where we get to sit down and say, you know what? That was a warm-up now let me begin. It's this time of year, especially today, where we get to sit down and say, this is what I want to see happen in my life. These are the goals that I want to set. This is what I want to do. The time is now to get into some new direction from where we're going. Where do, where do I want to go? Who do I want to be in the year 2022? And as I, as I say these things, and as I prepare for the new year, there is no better way, at least in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think there's any better way when we're talking about setting goals and direction than to turn to the scriptures to see what they have to say in order to help us set these goals. Do you guys agree with me? 
Uh, the scriptures are where we should be looking. So go with me to Philippians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be at today. And we're going we're to see what Paul has to tell us and gives us about, about direction in our life and what we should be chasing and what we should be doing. But, but before we really dive into scripture, I want you to, to go there, Philippians chapter 3, and just stick your finger in there, hold it there. But what I want to do before that is I want to give us four observations that I have found. Now, these are not my observations. These were given to me a few years ago. But what I want to do is I want us to get prepared before we dive into Scripture, okay? So here are four observations that were given to me on how to become the best you that you can be, all right? Because when we talk about the new year, we're talking about my potential. This is where I want to be in 2022, but we have to be prepared because we can't just go into a willy-nilly and say, you know what, whatever happens, happens, I'll tackle it along the way. I like to be prepared. And so what I want to do is I want to prepare you guys. And so the first observation that I have found in order to create a new you before we get into scripture is this. Observation on making a new you. Number one, permanent change is inward and temporary change is outward. Now, I will let you guys know, I do have a lot of notes today. I'm going to put Scott to work, all right? So if you're taking notes, just prepare to write. But the first is this, permanent change is inward, and temporary change is outward. And that seems pretty simple, right? If you want to change permanently, you've got to change your heart, soul, mind. You've got to start with the inward. If we're going to be the person that God needs us to be, the first thing that we have to do and understand is that real change, lasting change, starts from the heart starts from within. Now, the outwardly change is important, right? So, so if, you're, if your goal is weight loss, or if your goal is to be more fit, or to run that marathon, or, or to eat better, those things are important. Don't, don't, don't mistake me. Don't leave here and say, well, the preacher said my diet's not worth it, therefore I don't have to do it. My New Year's resolution is canceled, and it's the preacher's fault. No. Outward change is important. However, listen to me, your flesh, the clothes that you're wearing, the cars that you're driving, the house that you live in, the shoes on your feet, the things that you have, the money in your billfold, all of that stuff is temporary. However, the inward change, the heart, that is eternal. That's what matters, ladies and gentlemen. So if you want to be the best you that you can be, stop trying to put on a show for everyone and look the best. How about you try to figure out what God wants you to be? You want to have a real change, become the disciple that God's called you to be. Inward change is permanent. So observation number one is to understand that permanent change is inward and temporary change is outward. The second thing is this. In order for change to occur in your life, there must be three things present. So point number two actually has three points underneath of it. Like I said, there's lots of notes coming today. So for change to occur in your life, there must be three things present. And the first thing that must be present is there must be a dissatisfaction with the present. In other words, we can say all day long, well, I want to change, I want to change, I want to change. But if you look in the mirror and you say, man, I'm pretty good looking. I don't need to change in my outward. Man, you know what? These few extra pounds gave me that nice looking dad bod. I don't need to change that. Or you know what? I am a righteous, holy person that goes to church once a week. I don't need to change. Guess what's going to happen? Your New Year's resolution come February 1, it's going to be, it's going to be gone. You're going to completely forget about it. You can't look at yourself and think, man, I'm perfect, and expect to change at all. There has to be a dissatisfaction with the present. You actually have to want to change. 
You have to say, there is sin in my life that God needs to change, that God needs to come in and sweep. Because if you're comfortable with your sin, if you're okay with your sin, guess what's never going to leave? You have to have a dissatisfaction to say, I'm not where God wants me to be. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I come to church. Yes, I read my scripture. Yes, I do the disciplines. But there still is a slight dissatisfaction because I know that I can become a better person, not in my own strength, but in God's strength. But if you look at yourself and say, I do all the right things, I'm perfect, guess what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit's never going to be able to change you because you've become hard-hearted. And you think you're perfect, so you're never going to change. You have to have a dissatisfaction with where you are. You have to say, Lord, I'm not spiritually where I need to be. The second thing, so once you have that dissatisfaction, then you have to have an awareness of a better condition, right? So once I realize I am chubby and I need to lose weight, once I say that out loud, then I need to be aware that, you know what, there is a better condition because I used to be that way, right? So there is a better condition. I don't, I don't have to be, my shirts don't have to hurt when I put them on, right? All right, there, there's an awareness that there's a better condition, and we're talking spiritually, guess what? You don't have to keep repeating the same sin every single year. There's a better condition. God can remove it, but you have to be aware of it. You have to understand, and I'm telling you right now, none of you can leave here today and say, well, I didn't know about it because I'm telling you right now, the sins in our lives can be removed. We just have to allow the Holy Spirit to remove them. We have to allow God to change us. We have to understand, be dissatisfied with our sin, and then understand that God wants a better life for me. It's an awareness of a better condition. And then the third thing is this, knowledge of how to do it. You can't do something unless you know how to do it, right? If I want to lose weight, guess what I have to do? I got to know how to lose weight. I can't keep eating McDonald's cheeseburgers every day and expect to lose weight. I can't, I can't run that marathon if I'm sitting on the couch. I got to know how to do it, right? Well, I can't change spiritually unless I know how to do it. And you want to know how to do it? Well, read the scripture and go to God. So that's point number two. So the first thing was permanent changes inward. The second thing is you got to have all three of these things. You've got to have dissatisfaction where you're at, you, uh, an awareness of a better condition, and knowledge on how to do it. And the third thing is this. There must be a time of declaration. That's the third observation. There must be a time of declaration. There has to be a time where you actually sit down. This is why it's so important to write down your New Year's resolutions. There is a time of declaration, a time that you say, I need to change, therefore I'm going to make this resolution and I'm going to do it. Because if it's a good idea, if you know what, I had good intentions last year. Well, guess what? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. I meant to read that passage. I meant to do that spiritual discipline. I meant to get saved. Well, guess what happens when we're standing before the throne? God doesn't want to hear, I meant to do that. God wants to hear, I actually did it. Did we know him? Did we follow his law? Did we have a relationship with him? Well, guess what, church? If we want to have that, then there needs to be a time of declaration, a time where we say, I am going to change. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to change me. I am going to do this. So that's the third observation, the time of declaration. The fourth one is this. There needs to be continual strength and reinforcement from God. We can't change unless we have continual strength and reinforcement from God. If you try to do it yourself, if you try to change spiritually yourself, you're going to fail every single time. It's got to come from God, church. If you want to become the new you this year, the nourishment that we receive from the Word of God through prayer and meditation with God is what makes the difference. You have to have that relationship with God 
in order to change. It has to come from him, ladies and gentlemen. I cannot change my own heart. I am just a sinner who is saved by grace. It comes from the strength and from the word of God. It comes from that relationship with him. And so if we're going to be honest this morning, can, can, I, can I be honest with you? So those are the four observations that I've made that, that, I, that, that was given to me that's really helped me in, in years past. I want to give those to you as we head into scripture now. But if, if we're going to be honest, am I allowed to be honest with you guys? Are we still awake this morning? Have I talked too fast? I can slow down. All right, so I'm going to be really honest with you. And I need you guys to be honest with me. And that is, all of us have something in our lives that need to change. Say it with me. I need to change. All of us do. Hate to tell you this, gentlemen and ladies, we ain't perfect. None of us are. And if we think we're perfect, then we are going to be humbled. Listen to me. Own it. We're not perfect. All of us need to change. If it's, if it's not the new year that we need, it's the new me that we need. And it comes from God. It is the inward change that we desperately need. If, if, if we could have a new attitude, if we could have a, a new outlook, if we could have a new commitment, it's the inward part of us that really makes the difference concerning all that. And that stuff, once you change inwardly, guess what's going to happen? The outward will change naturally. But we got to change our hearts first. And so let's see what Paul has to say in Philippians chapter 3. Paul here, there are, there are three things that we must do to be a new person according to Paul here in, in, in Philippians. So let's go there with me. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to read two different passages, chapter 7 through 11, and then we're going to read 12 through 16. And this is what it says, 7 through 11 says, But whatever was to my profit... And I, and I want you to notice, as I'm reading this, and I, read with me, I want you to notice how many times he mentions Jesus Christ. It is amazing. This is not about Paul here, okay? Listen to how many times he mentions Jesus Christ. He says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever, what, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know, here it is again, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I love verse 10. Listen to what it says. I want to know Christ. There's three things that Paul is telling us. He says, if you want to change, if you want to be a new person, here are three things that you have to do. And number one is this, our priorities have to be right. Our priorities have to be right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want a new you this year, our priorities have to be right. If you want to put off the things that were last year, if you want to put off the past, beginning on a strong note this year, then you have to put Christ first. Your priorities have to be right. Paul is telling us that Jesus has to be your main thing. Jesus has to be your priority, your consuming drive. One, one author said the first sign that you are backsliding 
is when other priorities begin to creep in above Jesus. He says, if you want to see yourself backsliding, if you want to see yourself slipping into old habits, old sins, allow other priorities to creep in above Jesus Christ. Let other things be above him. Go back to verse 10. What did Paul say? I want to what? Know him. He says, I want to know him. And, and interestingly, the word know that Paul uses, when you, read, when you actually read the original translation, when you read the Greek, the, Paul, the, the word that Paul uses here actually means, I want to know him intimately. I want to know him so intimately that it's like the word that was used in Genesis when they were writing in the Hebrew, when the Bible says, Adam knew Eve. Well, how did Adam know Eve? Well, it was the highest possible union in the physical. And Paul is saying, I want to know Jesus. I want to have that type of relationship with him. I want him to completely consume me. I want to have a, an intimate, loving relationship with him. I want to know Jesus intimately. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to have a new you, that's where it starts. It starts with a relationship like that. It starts with God being our number one. If, you want to, if Jesus is not your number one, listen to me, the same patterns, the same habits, the same sins, they will continue to consume us because we are making them priority over Jesus. You have to know him intimately. You see, a lot of times we get caught in the trap. Well, I'm a good Christian because I come on Sunday mornings. Great. I'm happy you're here. I am. But do you have that relationship with him? You see, we can say, I'm a Christian, right? And, and, and I hate the way Western Christianity has made it. We've, we've made it so easy just to say, well, I'm a Christian, but I can do what I want, right? I can say I'm married, right? I am married, I wear, but I wear the ring, right? But what happens if I go out and I, and I step out of my marriage? Is, I, I'm married, but, but I can do what I want, Right? I'm married. Don't, don't you dare. Only my wife can judge me. I'm married. I never spend time with her. I never take her on dates. We don't, we don't share a bedroom. We don't do that. But, but I can say I'm married, right? Does that make me married, ladies and gentlemen? What makes me married? It's the commitment I made to her. It's the relationship that I have with her. Imagine if I only spent one day a week with her. Y'all you you all would say there's a problem in that marriage, right? Then why do we treat Jesus that way? Well, I come to church. I'm a Christian. Then Monday morning, I go out and do what I want, behave the way I want, act the way I want, talk the way I want, put in my body what I want. But I'm a Christian, pastor. Really, where are your priorities at? Paul says, I want to know Jesus intimately. I want to have a relationship with him. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to have a new you, it begins with that relationship. And that relationship is more than just Sunday morning. It's an all-consuming relationship. And a lot of us need to get our priorities right. So if you want to have a New Year's resolution, make that it. The second thing that Paul tells us is he says this, have the right plan. Verses 12 through 14 say this, not that I've already obtained all this. He says, I, I haven't obtained all this yet or have already been made perfect. He says, Paul says right there, he says, I ain't perfect, right? He says, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, listen to this, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You got to have the right plan. And here's Paul's plan, right? Paul's plan is actually threefold. So Paul's plan is threefold here. And he says this, number one is that he was open-minded about his position. He was open-minded about it. Paul straight up says, I'm not perfect. Plain and simple. I have faults. I'm not perfect. He was open-minded about the fact that he needs to continue to press forward. He didn't say, he, he didn't say, I'm a Christian. There it is. No, what did he do? He says, I ain't perfect yet. So what do I want to do? I want to know Jesus more intimately. He says, I'm not perfect yet. I get that. I, I own that. I'm open-minded about it. I've got a lot that needs to be changed. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep pressing forward. The reality is we're not perfect, but the question then is how many of us can actually admit it? How many of us can actually sit down and say, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. You know what? I shouldn't have done that. You know what? Last year, I did make a lot of mistakes. You know what? Last year, I did, I did neglect my wife. Last year, you know what? I did, maybe I didn't treat him right. You know what? I'm not perfect. How many of us can actually sit down and admit that, to say, you know what, there are areas of my, how many of us can let go of that sin to say, you know what, God, you're right. I need to let go of the sin in my life. I need to change. Paul, look, I mean, Paul wrote countless, countless letters here. Paul is the guy that we say we need to be like. And here he is saying, I ain't perfect. You won't want to be like me, but the reality is I want to be like Jesus. That's what Paul's saying here. He says, I'm not perfect. I need to change. How many of us can admit that? How many of us can be like Paul and say, you know what? Part of my plan's got to be, I got to be open-minded about my position. I'm not perfect. I, I've got areas of my life that Jesus needs to remove. I got areas of my life that Jesus needs to help strengthen. The second thing was this. He was closed-minded to his past. He said, he said, he said, forgetting what is behind. You see, what we must learn to do is forget what we've done. And, and please hear me, church. Oh my goodness, please hear me. We need to learn to forgive ourselves. Look, look at me, church. Forgive yourselves. You made the mistake. You made the choice. You wronged somebody. You did that act. If God himself can forgive us, who are we not to forgive ourselves? Forgive yourself. You see, what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to make you think that you're not good enough for the grace of God. That's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy is saying, look, you made this mistake. You're not worthy. You're not perfect. And he's going to continue to remind you of that. And Jesus says, I have forgiven you and I have forgot about it. You are made new in my image. But yet here we are sitting back every single day beating myself up. Yeah, but I can't do that because I used to do this. Who, you did used to do that. Own it and move on from it. Ladies and gentlemen, forgive yourselves for it. God has forgiven you. We are sinners saved by grace and we have to continue to press forward. God has a plan for you. But you're hindering yourself by holding on to what you used to be instead of looking at to what God can make you into. Stop focusing on what you used to be and look at what you can be. And that is a true disciple of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. 
So his, his plan was, was, again, threefold. It's open-minded about his position. He ain't perfect, but he's closed-minded by his past. I'm not perfect, but God has made me new. And the third thing is this, single-minded about his future. This is a man with a goal, and his goal is Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. When we make our New Year's resolutions, when we make our plans, if Jesus Christ is on the top of that list, we need to go back to point number one, which make our priorities right. He had his priorities straight. They, listen to me. So many times, Christians, we, 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 we lose sight of our goal right? We, we, we get caught up in everything else. We get caught up in what needs to be done and, 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 and what needs to be done at the church, what needs to be done in my life, and, and we get so overwhelmed by it that we end up forgetting it, and then, they, then we don't know where we're going. And Jesus Christ is saying, what I need you to do is I need you to take a back pedal. I need you to take a, back, a step backwards and understand that your goal doesn't need to be all this right now. Your goal needs to first and foremost be a relationship with me, and then I'll take care of the rest in your life. Focus on me. Your first step in the morning should be with Jesus Christ. And the rest of the day will fall into place because you're letting him be in control of it. Single-minded about your future. And that is Jesus Christ. And so therefore, when Christians lose their way, we begin wandering in the wilderness and, and we begin hurting and probing and asking questions. What's going on? Why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? Where, where am I at? And Jesus is saying, come back to me. I'm going to take care of you get your priorities right. I'll help you make the plan. You've just got to make sure that we put Jesus first. Forgive ourselves and move forward. So the first thing is make our priorities right. The second one is have the right plan, which is make Jesus first in our life. And the third thing is this, and this is where we're closing, church. It's the right attitude. I'm not preaching to the church right now. I'm preaching to myself on that one. You got to have the right attitude. You see, the whole book of Philippians, I mean, the whole Bible challenges me, but, but the book of Philippians, it, it, it really challenges me. Because Paul wrote this book sitting in prison. Did you guys know that? This is one of his prison epistles. He's sitting in a, in, a, in a jail cell writing this, and as he's sitting in a jail cell, Paul told people to rejoice. And he talked about the joy in life, and he was behind prison bars. And he said, I want you guys to have joy in life. I want, I want you guys to celebrate. I want you guys to praise. I want you to be filled with the joy of God, yet here he is suffering. How many of us would, would have done that? How many of us would have, would have been sitting in a, in a prison cell worrying about the church and their joy? Or how many of us would have been sitting back complaining, grumbling, and griping about everything? You see, in the Western Christianity, in America, we have freedoms, we have privileges that, that Paul and the first century Christians would have, literally, they died for this. And yet they continued to press on, they continued to celebrate, they continued to say, you know what, go ahead and take my life, because what I lose is gain in Christ. What I lose, oh well, you can take everything, take my life, because then I get the eternity with Jesus Christ. Yet here we are, we sit back, we whine, cry about everything. Oh, this doesn't fit my needs. This doesn't suit me. I can't believe they sang that song. I can't believe they did this. And we complain about everything. And yet here is Paul sitting in prison saying, why don't you just rejoice a little bit? Because God is good, amen? And yet we, oh my goodness, we go into the new year. I wonder what bad thing's going to happen this year. Church, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. 
And we sit back with the wrong attitude. You see, for us to have this fresh, new, exciting year, we have to go into it with the right attitude. Bad things are going to happen. I look at the past two years. I know in, right at the beginning of 2020, I said, it's going to be a great year, 2021. This is the new year. Bad things are going to happen. I, we, we ain't perfect. The world ain't perfect, right? Things are going to happen. However, though the year may bite us, we can still have a good, strong year. And you want to know why? Because if we put our strength, if we put our priorities, if we put our plans, if we put our attitudes in Christ, then what can stand against us, church? If, our, if we first put Christ, if we say, you know what, no matter what happens, I'm going to follow after Paul's example. No matter what you do to me, I'm going to rejoice because no matter what bad thing happens to me, my God is still good. I'm still going to have an eternity with him. I can lose it all, but it's gain because I get to spend an eternity in heaven. I get to spend an eternity in paradise. It doesn't matter what I lose here because I know paradise is awaiting. So it's about right priorities, a right plan, and a right attitude. Listen, all centered in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. Listen to me, church. The past two years, they've been tough, right? I get that, but we're still here. We still have breath in our lungs. And so let's go into this new year with hope in Jesus Christ, with the right priorities, the right plan, and the right attitude. Can we do that, church? Can we? Yes. All right. Worship team, if you guys will come and lead us in song again. Ladies and gentlemen, if you will, stand with me one more time. And let's go into song. I know how this story 
close. I forgot to mention it um, during announcements, but if you look behind me and behind the ladies, we have some new screens up front. Uh, through our capital account and money set aside, we were able to budget and get ourselves some new screens that you guys can actually see the words. Um, and I know, thank you so much to the pains to be able to find us uh, through their work, being able to find the TVs. We were able to be under budget. Thank you so much to Griffin and his crew for mounting them up for us. So we were able to get them and we were blessed for that. And so we wanted to start the new year off and, and let you guys be able to see the words in my notes. So, <laughs> so we're going to give God praise for the, the new screens. And I want to pray for you guys that God will bless you this year. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, we thank you so much for the resources to be able to add to our sanctuary. Lord, it's exciting when new things like this go up. Thank you, Lord, so much for the resources and everybody that's donated over the years to be able to make this happen. And Lord, I thank you for everybody that was involved. I know I probably forgot to say thank you to somebody who was involved in this project. But Lord, you know who they are, and we thank you so much for them. And Lord, as we leave here today, Lord, I want to pray over this congregation and everybody listening in right now. Lord, I pray that you bless them. Help us all to go into this new year with the right priorities and with the right plan that's centered in you and with the right attitude, Lord. And I pray that you bless them immensely, Lord. Give them a great year and just fill them with all of your joy, peace, hope, and mercy, Lord. And just fill us with your grace. And as we leave here today, Lord, it is wet. We do know some weather's coming in. So, Lord, I pray for traveling mercies for everybody. Help everybody to make it home safely. And it's in your glorious and holy name that we pray this. And everybody said it.
Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. And 530 tonight, we'll have our prayer meeting in the sanctuary. God bless you guys.